If there's one thing I've learned in the past couple of years of researching all these psychology-related topics that I've been interested in, you know, things like narcissistic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, other personality disorders, it's that manipulation is sort of a common thread amongst a lot of personality disorders and a lot of toxicity. And I think that's the key, is that a lot of toxic people, it's like they don't know how to get what they want or need using conventional methods like kindness or you know, explaining themselves. So they kind of resort to these more sly ways to get what they need. And I think a lot of people, especially people that grow up in these situations, maybe they grow up in a family where a lot of manipulation is used for a parent to get what they want. You can almost get used to it to the point where, you know, later in life, all of a sudden now you have a spouse or, or a relationship or a friendship and this person is doing this stuff to you and you might even think it's normal, like it's part of a relationship. So I don't want this kind of behavior in my life. I would like to be able to recognize these things so I can shut them down as they're happening. A lot of that comes down to boundaries and not accepting manipulative behavior. So empathetic people, I think, are especially susceptible to manipulation, unfortunately. I think that might be because it's almost like manipulation almost pokes at a person's empathy and it says, well, if you really love me, you'll do this. And well, I do love you, so I guess I have to do that. And I think that's why empaths are especially vulnerable to manipulation. So here is a list of toxic behaviors that I've just grown intolerably allergic to. I cannot stand manipulation. And I'm happy that I've got to a point in my life where I can actually recognize it. And it's becoming really blatant. It's like, oh, you're trying to guilt trip me. But it's like, I don't want to be guilt tripped, I'm out of here. Like, see ya. I, I'm not accepting guilt trip. If you want to talk to me like a human being and use logic or use reasons, explain yourself to me, maybe explain your feelings to me, that's awesome. I'm, I'm all for that. But don't try to guilt trip me into doing things. So let's get into it here. I'm going to talk about eight techniques that basically at this point I just can't stand. All right, so the first manipulation technique that I have grown completely allergic to is passive aggressive behavior. So passive aggressive behavior what is that? Instead of openly addressing issues or being overtly aggressive, like maybe calling somebody a name, saying, I, you're wrong, like that would be an example of just being aggressive. It's about indirectly expressing negative feelings. So basically, it's kind of like a sneaky way of being aggressive. And that's really how I like to think about this. So what are some examples? I'll give a bunch of examples here. But one that I really dislike is the silent treatment. And that is basically somebody ignoring you. Or let's say you're, there's somebody, somebody say you had a fight. Or let's say you had just a, a discussion. And, and now it sort of ended badly, like they had some feelings or whatever. And... I don't know, I feel like my personality, I've always tried to resolve things as quickly as possible. So let's say I have an intense discussion with somebody and there are some things that need to be said. Like let's say I need to apologize for something or they need to apologize for something or we need to kind of clear the air. I like to just do that and get it over with. Talk about the issues, see what needs to be addressed. Um, but a silent treatment person will basically just ghost you. So this is especially awkward if you know, the person's like in your life, like in your family, and now they just won't talk to you. So basically what they're saying is they're expressing some negativity towards you without actually having to say any words. 
let's say they were just offended for no reason, or and let's say you, you even apologize, but they're still giving you silent treatment, just trying to subtly punish you for something that happened. And so that's what that is. It's like a, a punishment through silence. And for a lot of people, this is, it's almost just like torture to now be walking around knowing this person is upset with you, but they won't let you resolve it. So what are some other examples? Um, you know, people might get resentful of you, or they might do something else to get even. Like say, so they think that something bad happened over here, and rather than address it, they now do something else to get even with you. Or they might punish you in some way, maybe punish you emotionally, or withhold things from you. You know, withhold intimacy. Um, it could be anything like that, or maybe they don't do something that they use that they normally do for you. They've, they've withheld that. Um, you know, things like deliberate inefficiency. So all of a sudden now they don't really do a good job on something, or they are late for something on purpose, or an avoidance of responsibility, basically. Or it could be just as simple as a refusal to state needs or concerns directly to you. So now you don't really know what's going on with this person. There, that sort of goes back to the silent treatment. I feel like another type of passive-aggressive behavior is rug sweeping. And it's like you're having this, this big fight, and then all of a sudden, everything's fine. But they're smiling at you, and they're pretending like everything's fine, but you know that something's wrong. And there's almost like a sarcasm underneath it. So cleverness or sarcasm almost is an, another type of passive-aggressive behavior. So another thing might be, you know, delaying requests. So it's like you really need something done, and, you know, they're just acting like it's no, not important to them. Like they're, they're no big deal. Oh, yeah, I'll get to that later. So anyway, all these things are kind of subtle ways of expressing emotions in a negative way that is sort of subtle or passive. So I really hate passive aggressive behavior. I, I don't know, maybe I'm more of a direct person and I just much prefer just to say things. Hey, if I have a problem, I'll probably just say it. And um, I really hate it when I have to like play investigator with somebody, oh, this person's kind of behaving a little strange and they're doing this weird thing and they're doing this weird thing. It's almost like you gotta like, you know, start investigating, like you're some kind of detective to find out really what the problem is. Um, so anyway, I don't like that. Manipulation technique number two, and that is gaslighting. And I really hate this as well because it kind of preys on people mostly that have low self-confidence. So at its core, gaslighting is basically making a person question their own sanity. So what's a good example of that? Um, a way it's commonly used is the retelling of stories. So let's say uh, a narcissist might say, well, you know, three weeks ago you said blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, I, I didn't say it like that. I might have said this, but I definitely didn't say that. And they're like, oh, no, no, you definitely said that. And now you have the choice to believe them or trust yourself that, no, you actually didn't say that. In a lot of ways, it's almost like a form. It's not quite lying. It's more like deception. Like this person is telling you something that you said, but you're pretty sure you didn't say it like that. Or maybe something that happened and you don't remember that story happening like that. But this person is so convincing and so sure of themselves. They, they might even get to the point where they believe it themselves. Like they're, it's like, 
I've often tried to figure this out. It's almost like their memory is not remembering it properly. So now you have this choice. Well, am I remembering it improperly or are they remembering it improperly? And a person who is self-conscious or not trusting themselves might actually start to question their own memory. Like, oh, maybe they're right. Maybe I did say that mean thing or maybe that thing did happen that way. Another example of gaslighting might be withholding inf important information. So they can kind of give you this story back, but it's, it's just like half true. They've left some facts out and they're adamant about that. So now you start to question, well, did I read that situation wrong? Or are they leaving some facts out? So Richard Grannon, who I just absolutely love this guy, he's on YouTube and he talks about narcissistic personality disorder a lot. And he's got this example he always pulls out and you might hear it in his videos. He talks about a milkshake. So you walk into the room, they're drinking the milkshake. They got milkshake all over their face and you're like, and then they put it down and you're like, hey, why are you drinking my milkshake? And they're like, I wasn't drinking your milkshake. And you're like, I clearly see you drinking my milkshake. Like, what do you... And so that's an example of gaslighting and a self-conscious person or a person, you know, who gives other people the benefit of the doubt might start to question, well, were they really drinking my milkshake or was that somebody else's milkshake? Like, anyway, it's just about making you question your own reality. So here's a quick example of gaslighting. I had somebody one time in my life tell me this story and I was like, it was so strange because I'm pretty sure this was my story at one point. This, this thing that they're talking about actually happened to me. It, it was, I was the, like, it was my story and it was something that happened to me in the past. But now this person in my life was telling the story like it happened to them. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that happened to me. Like that, are you sure you're not just retelling my story right now? That, that's my story. And she's like, what are you talking about? That happened to me. Like, are you crazy? And so then I'm sitting there going, did I make that up? Um, did that happen to me? Did that happen? And it's like, no, it did happen to me. It's just this person was gaslighting me. And it's as simple as that. So the third manipulation technique I want to talk about is generalizations. In a lot of ways, it's similar to gaslighting, except it's not really meant just to make the person feel crazy. It might be told to a third party. All right, so what's an example? Say you were at work and something happens and you're like, well, for this reason, I think that such and such could be improved. And I think we could still work on that to make that better. So then that person might go to your boss and say something like, yeah, he hated it. He just hated it. And he wants to rip it all apart and start it up from, from the ground all over again. And so basically, instead of communicating the actual thing you said, which was it needed some work, but it was a constructive criticism. Well, I like this and this, but we need to work on this. And you know, there's still room for improvement. They basically just say he hated it and he wants to basically take this project over. Um, so that's an example of just not really listening to what you're saying, taking a few of the ideas, creating this generalization of it, he hated it, and then giving that to somebody else. So now this third party has this misrepresented idea of what you really said. And it's really damaging in families or work situations or friends when all of a sudden other people are hearing about these extreme things that you've said but really it's not so simple. You might have said some toned down version of it or maybe something with more nuance or something that had some conditions attached or something and now all these people get the wrong idea of you. It's because of this manipulative person making a generalization. 
So the next manipulation technique I hate is just hypocrisy. So this is saying one thing but doing another thing. So this is another technique that narcissists use and it's basically like, let's say there's a problem between two people and you bring a problem up and they might say, yeah, I'll totally work on that. I will totally do that. I agree with you. And so then you sit there waiting for some change, but then they don't change. They keep doing the same damaging behavior that they've been doing forever. Basically, it's they're saying they're going to do one thing, but they don't do it. That's just hypocrisy, and it's a manipulation technique to kind of hook people into a cycle. So let's say, you know, in a, in a relationship, there's just this lack of lack of communication in a relationship. They'll say, don't worry, you know, I'm just really busy right now, but, you know, next week we'll, we'll sit down and talk and we'll work it through. And then next week comes and then they're busy. Um, maybe some deflections. And then it goes to the next week and the next week and the next week. Basically, this person is never going to address this issue, but they want to make you believe they're going to. So that's basically actions not matching words in a manipulative sense. Of course, hypocrisy can also mean other things, maybe criticizing you for something while they themselves do it. So that's maybe more the traditional sense of the word hypocrisy. But the main technique that I have really started to notice is people that say they're going to do things, but they just never do them. So the fifth manipulation technique is something that you just see everywhere, and it's almost just become part of our culture, and that is guilt tripping. So what is a guilt trip usually used for? It's usually for a person to get something. And rather than them ask for it directly, like a normal person should, they sort of use this technique to make you feel bad to get what they want. And I think empaths are especially susceptible to this because the goal of a guilt trip is to make you feel bad. And then once you feel bad, you want to make it better. And so you do the thing that they want you to do. So what's an example of this? Let's say there's you know, two parents and they don't have the best relationship. And let's say one parent wants something for themselves. Rather than say, you know what, this is what I really want. Can you do this for me? They'll make it about the kids. And they'll say, you know what, you're not a very good father unless you do this thing for, for them. And the reason why this is such a horrible thing is because now if you actually fall for it, like you don't have a lot of self-confidence, now you feel like, oh, well, I don't want to be a bad father, so I'm going to do this thing. But in the end, it has nothing to do with the kids, and the person's just framed it that way. Really, it's just you're doing this thing for them, and they're using the kids to make you feel bad. So, of course, that's just one example. There's all kinds of different exa examples of guilt trips, but basically what it is is making you feel bad about something to get something else. And this behavior is everywhere. And it's really something you gotta watch out for. So number six is shaming or smear campaigns. So this is like guilt tripping, but it's more of an overall plan of attack that uses other people to get what the person wants. So let's say something has happened that this person doesn't like. They will then take that information, go behind your back and tell your community, tell your family, tell your workplace, whatever it is. So they'll tell these people, and it might be true, or it might be sort of a half-baked version, kind of like the gaslighting or the generalization manipulation technique. So they take this information, they spread it around to as many people as they can. And the goal is to basically turn that community or turn that family or turn that group of people against the victim. And once all those people have turned against the victim, that helps the toxic person get their way. 
because now this person is experiencing a whole bunch of shame, a whole bunch of pressure, a whole bunch of guilt tripping, not just from the narcissistic individual, if that's who's doing it, but now they're receiving guilt trips from all these other people that had nothing to do with the issue. So now you're sitting there as a victim receiving all this public shame. And if you want it to end, you're more likely to basically bend a knee to the toxic person at that point to make it end. And so public shaming is kind of like guilt tripping on steroids because it gets everybody involved in something. It's really truly an awful thing. And if you've experienced it, you know what I mean. And until you experience it, you don't really understand the stress that it can put a person under. And, you know, people do all kinds of awful things when they are public ashamed. They commit suicide. As an aside, if you ever do experience a public shaming from, like, a narcissist, it's interesting how it can almost make you a stronger person in the end because it gets you used to decoupling your self-worth from the opinion of others. And that's a really interesting side effect of experiencing shaming. But it is still an awful manipulation technique. And if somebody is using that on you to get what they want or to get you to kind of bend a knee to them or admit your wrongs through the public shaming, it's just the wrong way to do it. And it's, it's, it's terrible. I really hate it. So number seven is playing the victim. And this is an interesting technique because it's basically the perpetrator acting like the victim. And it's extremely confusing. And in a lot of ways, it can be, it's almost a type of gaslighting, but it can also be used in conjunction with shaming or smear campaigns. So let's say there's a narcissistic individual who takes your words out of place, now goes and does a shaming or a smear campaign behind your back to all your community. And at the same time, they might incorporate the victim card because that really plays into convincing people. If they look like a victim while they are telling these stories, it kind of, you know, fires up the rage in some of these people and now they will come attack the true victim. So playing the victim is a type of deflection. So instead of looking like the aggressive person, it's almost like a passive aggressive behavior that now makes them look weak and like they're being abused. So a common way that playing the victim comes out is, let's say they do something bad. Let's say they do one of these other manipulative techniques, the gaslight you or guilt trip you or whatever, and then you stand up for yourself. They then could act like you've just attacked them. And this is especially true, again, with people with narcissistic personality disorder because they hate boundaries and they hate the word no and they hate you standing up for yourself. So if you actually stand up for yourself, they will often take that as an attack and then they will play that victim card and act like you are the abuser. And it's really not uncommon for abusive people to accuse their victims of doing the exact abuse that they themselves are doing. And this is one reason why if you suspect somebody of having a personality disorder, you should never really tell them. Because it's actually really common if you say, you know what, I think you've got narcissistic personality disorder or I think you've got borderline personality disorder. That person will just probably, they're smart usually and they'll flip that around and all of a sudden you're the narcissist. Uh, it's really common. So it's better to keep that information to yourself as an aside. So number eight on my list, I'm calling conditioning. And this is something I kind of came up with. I haven't seen this listed on any other 
lists of manipulation techniques. And in a lot of ways, I wonder if it might be part of passive aggressive behavior, but I'm gonna mention it as its own item anyway. So conditioning is something that I've noticed and it's basically asking or demanding things. And then once you agree, once they've kind of conditioned you to answer correctly, they back off and then almost give you your own free choice to accept it or not. And then if you do, then they can walk away and say, yeah, he chose that on his own. That was totally his decision. So I've got kind of a silly example to illustrate this. Let's say you're in jail, there's a prison guard and he's wearing blue shoes. And he says, what color are my shoes? And you say, those are blue. He's like, these are red shoes, can't you see? And then he beats you. And he keeps beating you until you're like, fine, they're red shoes. They're red shoes, fine, stop beating me. And he's like, okay. And then he comes in the next day and he says, what color are my shoes? And you say, red? I th those are red shoes. And then he leaves and tells everybody that you have just called those red shoes when everybody else knows they're blue. And it's, why did you answer as red? Because you've been conditioned to answer that. And that's the interesting thing about abuse is that lots of times, you know, if you go through a certain abusive behavior for months, years, decades even, you can get so conditioned to behave or to answer in a certain way that that person can then just back right off. It's almost like you've been trained like a dog. Like when they hear a bell, they're expecting food. They can just back right off and you're just behaving like a trained animal. And they can actually just tell people, well, yeah, he's doing that on his own at that point. It is, this is like a horrible manipulation technique. And if you've experienced this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And of course, this could be on a scale, anything from minor to major. So narcissists often condition their victims to you know, be really scared to use the word no, because narcissists hate the word no. So that's a type of conditioning. Basically, people become scared of having boundaries and scared of using the word no. And if, if that goes on long enough, you know, here's this poor person with no boundaries and they almost think that having boundaries is a type of abuse itself. And so if you want to learn more about boundaries, watch my other video. I made one a couple videos ago about boundaries or was it the last video? I'm not sure. Anyway, guys, thanks for checking out the video. Those are my most hated manipulation techniques that I've been noticing lately and I've just been seeing it everywhere and I don't want people to fall for this stuff anymore. You know, I think that all of us have the right to be healthy, to have boundaries, you know, to do what we want and not experience abuse in the form of manipulation. So if I've missed any manipulation techniques that you think are important, feel free to leave a comment and uh, we can discuss that. Anyway guys, good luck, get boundaries, stand up for yourself and have a great day. Talk to you later.